this crazy faith series. Anybody else? And I knew this was going to be probably my favorite series that we've ever done here at Connect Church. And so I said, Daniel, I got to preach it. I got to preach it. And did you know that my man can play bass? He is multifaceted, multi-talented, and I love him so much. But my sermon is not about how much I love my husband. That's for another day. And I got a lot to say, so let's get started. So we're going to start reading in 2 Kings chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen. And let me tell you, if you don't have a Bible at home here at Connect Church, we would love to gift you one. And these are not cheap Bibles, you guys. They're like $25 or $30 a piece because we want to invest into your faith. So if you don't have a Bible at home, go out to Guest Center as you leave here today and get a free Bible. Let's start reading. Verse 1, it says, One day the wife of the man of the Guild of Prophets called out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You well know what a good man he was, devoted to God. Now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two sons as slaves. Elisha said, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing, she said. Well, I do have a little oil. Here's what you do, said Elisha. Go up and down the street and borrow jugs and bowls from all your neighbors, and not just a few, all you can get. Then come home, lock the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into each container. When each is, set, is full, set it aside. She did what he said. She locked the door behind her, her and her sons, and as they brought the containers to her, she filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to one of her sons, another jug, please. And he said, that's it. There's no more jugs. Then the oil stopped. She went and told the story to the man of God, Elisha, and he said, go sell the oil and make good on your debts. Live both you and your sons on what is left. It's an amazing provision miracle that just happened, and we're going to be walking through this story, so I want to make sure we're all on the same page and we actually get what just happened here. So in this story, there's a man, and he dies, and he leaves his wife with like a ton of debt, so much so that the bank comes knocking on her door and says, hey, if you don't pay up, I'm going to take your sons and sell them into slavery. It was a different time, you guys. And so like any mother would, she freaks out. And she goes and runs for help, and she's like, hey. And she goes to this Elisha, the prophet, and she's like, hey, can you please help me? And he's like, well, what do you have? And she's like, nothing. He left me with absolutely nothing except for debt. Well, I do have a little bit of oil, just a little. And he's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. Go to all your neighbor's house, everybody on the street, even the people that hate you. I want you to knock on their door and ask them for jars, containers, trash cans, everything you can get. And I want you to go into your house in secret, shut the door, and then start pouring the oil. So she did this. And as she's pouring, before you know it, this little bit of oil, this little tiny thing that she had in her home, turns into an entire house full of oil, so much so that she was able to pay off her debt and then live on it fully and completely. What an amazing miracle story. And I thought it would be fun today if we walk through the characters that are in this story and, and highlight their level of faith. And so as we're talking about each character, I would love it if you would decide who do you identify with the most and their level of faith. So first, we're going to talk about the sons, or we could say the ones who benefit from others' faith. 
Come on, we've all been there. Maybe you're in here today because you were benefiting from somebody else who called you and said, you need to come to church with me. You need some Jesus. Or maybe your grandma has just been praying you together. We have benefited from other people's faith our entire life. And there is absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with that. But these sons, we don't know how old they were, but we do know that they were working age because they were about to be sold into slavery. And they were also the ones who benefited the most from this miracle. You guys, their life was on the line. But if you notice, it wasn't them trying to find the answer for themselves. They were living on their mother's faith. Sometimes we need to depend on other people's faith when we have lost ours. When we're completely depleted, we feel like we have no hope, our faith has shriveled up and shrank into a raisin, and we have nothing left, we need to depend and lean on other people's faith. And that is what the church is all about. We are here together. So if you've come into this room today and you were looking for hope, let me tell you, you can lean on us. We are a church to build each other up, and we can lean on each other when the other is feeling depleted. Come on, that's what the church is all about. We need to lean sometimes on other people's prayers, other people's planning, other people's asking, other people's generosity. You know, Daniel and I, when we grew up, we grew up pretty poor, but Daniel more so than me, so I'm going to use him for an example for just a minute. So when he was in youth group, there was no way that he or his family could pay for youth camp on their own. So it was somebody in his church when he was growing up who said, you know what, I'm going to sow a seed of generosity, and I'm going to pay a few hundred dollars so you can go to winter camp. And they had no idea, but they were sowing that seed of generosity. That was the week in 1998 that Daniel went to winter camp in Colorado, and that was the week he was called into ministry. And then the next semester, he enrolled into Bible college. Do you guys realize that every single person in this room is benefiting from that person who sowed that generosity seed of faith? Come on, you guys. That is the power that when we say yes to the Holy Spirit, yes, God, what do you want from me? I am willing. I am prepared. I am ready. And you sow that seed of faith into somebody else. It can reap a harvest that is so much bigger than you ever even imagined. There are some times where we need community to fight for us. And then we can't stop there. We can lean on each other, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to make sure we graduate, that it's not just a cycle that constantly happens in our life. I'm just going to live off of somebody else's faith for the rest of my life. We need to make sure we graduate from that, because other people are going to be living off of the faith that I'm putting out. Are you with me, church? Let me speak this over you. Other people are going to be living off of the faith that you're going to be putting out here, Connect Church. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Elisha, our second character, or the one who sows seeds. See, Elisha had no obligation whatsoever to help this widow and her sons, but he had compassion on them. He sowed seeds of faith into them. And in verse 2, it says, what can I do to help? And a lot of times we stop right there, don't we? When somebody is desperate, when somebody's grieving, when somebody's in a crisis, we're like, what can we do to help? But then we pat ourselves on the back like, I asked the question, I did my part. But most of the time, that person has no idea what to say. They are just grief-stricken, and they're like, I don't know, I just know I need help.
help. But Elisha didn't stop there. He said, what can I do to help? And immediately he says, what do you have? Because he was looking for a place to sow so God can multiply. Where is somewhere that God is opening doors in your life so that you can sow so he can multiply? I love that here at Connect Church, we give credit where credit is due, and and lots of honor is spread around here. And this Crazy Faith series has been inspired to us by Mike Todd and Transformation Church and the miracles that we've been seeing in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Mike Todd has a book out called Crazy Faith. I think everybody should go out, get it, read it. It's awesome. And we have loved seeing that inspiration, those seeds of faith that Mike Todd is spreading across the world. It's been beautiful. And even though this sermon series, all of these sermons that Dan and I are preaching, this is the Holy Spirit inspiring us. These are words coming from us to you. But Mike Todd has been so inspiring to us, and we're grateful for the seeds he's been investing into other churches. And he has this quote that I heard him say not, not too long ago. It says, the best thing God gave us was a seed. And right now people are protecting seeds when they should be sowing them. It's so true. We are hoarding on to these seeds thinking, I need to hold on to this. What if I have a hard time? Well, I need to keep that in my bank account. Or I, what if I'm depleted and I don't have the energy to do that thing? What if I say yes too much? What if I need that for me? And we forget that God has blessed us so that we can sow seeds everywhere. And it talks about this all throughout the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sowed sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And when we read this passage, most of the time we think it's talking about finances. And while it is talking about money, it doesn't stop there. It's talking about everything, everything God has blessed us with because he has full control of not just our finance. He has control of what comes out of our mouth. He has control of where we spend our time. He has control and dominion over everything. Have you ever heard in the church somebody use the phrase, Jesus is, the Lord, is my Lord and Savior. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Or have you made Christ your Lord and Savior yet? To quote The Princess Bride, I love that movie. What if I said, I don't think that means what you think it means. Because there are a lot of people who want Jesus to be their Savior, their Rescuer, but they don't want him to be their Lord. And we have taken this word, Lord, and we've replaced it as a title for God, but it's been regular, normalized, and we forget that it means that he has dominion, power, control, ultimate over everything we have. You know, in Scottish culture, if somebody has a castle and land and people that they're in control of, they call him a laird. I like that word. It's funny. And it probably sounds really funny coming out of a southerner's mouth instead of a Scottish person, but laird. What if I said, Jesus is your laird and savior? Does that sound weird to you? What if it's because we have normalized this word Lord and we have forgotten the meaning behind calling God our Lord? He has control over everything we have. And we need to remember that he has and has blessed us with everything. We need to stop hoarding our seeds and let him be Lord of it all and start planting those seeds. Elisha showed and sowed into his family before anyone else could see the miracle. Church, we need to sow it before we see it. Not when we have it all figured out, 
Not when we have the checklist, not when we have every single detail, not when we can see the end mark or the goal. We need to sow it before we can see it. This is why I have so much gratitude for the Connect Kids volunteers, because they are literally upstairs right now sowing seeds of faith into your children that are going to reap a harvest for generations to come. And when I think about somebody who sowed seeds into me when I was their age, I think of a woman named Ann Landers. And when the time I was three until the time I graduated high school, Anne was in my life sowing seeds of faith into me. She taught me how to read scripture. She reminded me of my value and my true worth. And when she found out that my mother was a single parent raising a daughter on her own, she wrapped her arms around us. She had us over for dinner or a games night. And I even remember Anne one time when I was in college, she drove over an hour to come to one of my concerts when I was singing. And she said, just to show up and say, I'm proud of you. I believe God has a calling on your life. It's so beautiful. But you know what? Anne is no longer on this earth. But the seeds that she sowed into me, she had no idea we're going to already reap a harvest of 20 plus years of ministry and thousands of people reached for Jesus. What an amazing story that Ann Landers was able to do. And I'm not the only one she sowed into. Another thing that I see through Elisha's story here is that his faith was contagious. It rubbed off on the widow. And just like faith can be contagious, fear can be contagious. You remember at the beginning of the pandemic when you go into a grocery store and every single shelf was empty? I remember in March of 2020 going into the grocery store, I needed two things. And I walked out with an entire cart. And I got into my car and I looked around like, what just happened? And then I thought, I guess they know something that I don't. If you need more faith in your life, you need to surround yourself with people who have grounded themselves in Jesus Christ and have been building their faith for a while. And when you are surrounding yourself day after day with people who have strong faith, then eventually you're going to look around and say, I guess they know something I don't. And you're absolutely right they do. They know Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Nothing else matters. Everything else is meaningless. He is the provider. He is the way maker. And we need to stop hoarding our seeds, let our faith be contagious, and sow it before we see it. And when you sow it, you are preparing for a harvest. Because crazy faith is a prepared faith. Let's talk about the widow for a minute. Or the one who is prepared. You guys, this woman was fearless. Her husband had just died, and her sons were about to be taken from her. And you know what? She didn't lay in her bed and said, woe is me. I have no idea what to do. Everything is crashing around me, and I just need to grieve right now. No, she fought for her sons. She didn't say, I don't know what to do. I haven't been prepared for this. I don't know enough. That Elisha guy, he's way too intimidating to talk to. And if you read First and Second Kings, Elisha is very intimidating. <laughs> But she didn't give up. She was fearless, and she fought for answers. She had a trusting faith, and she prepared for the abundance. Some of you guys are only praying about it when you need to start preparing for it. I imagine that this woman had just enough faith to start knocking on that first neighbor's door. And then when they said, yeah, I've got a couple jars you can have, and her faith started building. Okay, maybe there's something to this. 
And then before you know it, she's got a whole bunch of jugs and jars and trash cans that she's been collecting. And her neighbors are like, this woman has gone crazy. And people are talking about her behind her back. But you know what? She was preparing for her abundance. She had a trusting faith and she believed that there was something ahead for her. Listen, if you went out and you wrote on our crazy faith wall, and you definitely need to if you haven't yet, but you wrote, I want to be debt free, but you haven't gone to a class like Financial Peace University, you haven't started budgeting month to month, and you're buying every single thing that looks shiny, you are not preparing for God's miracle. If you have a calling on your life, you know God is taking you out from this job. Maybe it's a new career he's heading you to. Maybe it's ministry, but you haven't been taking courses. You haven't been gaining experience. You haven't been growing. Then you are not preparing for it. Or maybe you wrote on the wall, I need healing. I need God to heal my body. But you're not going to the doctor. You're not seeking that second opinion. You're not taking the medication. That you are not preparing for the miracle. There is work while you wait for the miracle. God has given you something and you, to help you prepare for where he wants you to go. Because crazy faith is a prepared faith. Let me show you an example. I'm going to use my own faith story for a minute. So God says, little Amber, what do you have? And my five-year-old self says, well, I've been watching Wizard of Oz like a million times, and I think I can sing because I'm starting to sound like Judy Garland. And God says, okay, I want you to join the children's choir. You know that Mother's, Day, uh, Mother's event coming up? I want you to sing a special in it. Now I want you to lead worship in your youth group. And then God says, hey, teenage Amber, what do you have? And I say, man, I, I've got a little bit of experience, I guess. I'll do whatever you need, Lord. Okay, I want you to go in front of your youth group, and I want you to tell them that you're going to go into full-time ministry. I want you to apply for Bible college. I want you to get a bachelor's degree in music. See that guy that just preached in chapel? I want you to go get to know him. Hey, adult Amber, what do you have? I've got a husband who loves to serve, and I love to serve with him. I've got a bachelor's degree in music, but nobody's hiring. Okay, I want you to leave your family and move to Florida. I said, okay. I want you to build a youth group together. I want you to start a worship band. I want you to take them on mission trips all over the world. Hey, Dan and Amber, what do you have? We've got 16 years of ministry experience. We'll do anything you need, Lord. All right? I want you to move to a different country, and it's cold. Even though you've been there once, you don't know anybody, you have no band, no team, no money, no place to live, no meeting space, no experience church planting, I will provide. And when you do it, I want you to tell your people, I am just getting started. Yes. Church, this story doesn't end here, and now you are a part of this faith journey. But if we are not preparing for where God wants us to go, then we are not doing what he's called us to do. There is work while we're waiting for our miracle, and together as a church, we need to start preparing. And if he can do it through us, he can do it through you too.
Let's talk about the husband who died or the one whose story God did not waste. See, we, we get lost in this miracle where God just supplied this huge abundance, but we forget that there was a lot of grief involved. A woman's husband died. And a lot of times, God doesn't always provide exactly how we expected. Sometimes there's pain or uncom uncomfortable situations, and in this case, the husband's death made room for faith to be built. Church, tragedy isn't evidence that God doesn't exist. Tragedy is opportunity for God to do a miracle. And in this widow's story, it got a whole lot darker before she saw her miracle. But God doesn't waste our pain, and you shouldn't either. You have two choices. You can either wallow, and you can get bitter, and you can let your, your faith shrink until there's hardly nothing left, or you can let God refine your ask. Maybe you had some plan. Maybe this is what you're asking for, but God has a better plan. And he's like, my way is so much more beautiful, so much more abundant than anything you could possibly dream of. And I 100% of the time would rather have God's way than my stubborn, my way or the highway. Come on, God's way is always better. And I think about when we had to close our doors at Connect Church at the beginning of the pandemic, and we had no idea it was going to be 67 weeks of online church. And I can tell you there was a whole lot of pain involved in that process. A lot of grieving, a lot of crying, a lot of prayers of desperation. God, I don't see what you're doing here. This is not very beautiful. A lot of struggle is happening right now. We need to be with our people. Why have we lost our movie theater that we, can, we were meeting in? We were growing so fast. God, what are you doing? But I can tell you that he was preparing us and making a way for a miracle. And what seemed impossible in March of 2020 became possible. Because in June of 2020, we realized we're not going to be able to meet in our movie theater ever again. So we started searching, hired a broker, started looking for meeting spaces. It was way out of our comfort zone. We had no experience and no plan. We were just looking. And we had no idea from June to 2020, it was going to be a whole 12 months before we were able to meet again. But let me tell you what was impossible in March of 2020 for a five-year-old church plan to have their own space for the entire week, not just a rental on Sunday morning, all of a sudden became possible. We are sitting in a miracle room right now because God provided for his church. But it came out of a lot of pain. And if crazy faith is a prepared faith, do you think that he can use our tragedy to prepare us for what's coming? He's not going to waste our pain, but we've got to make something beautiful. We've got to let him make something beautiful out of it. Last, I want to talk about our neighbors, or the one who is available and generous. See, Elisha in the scripture told the widow, don't just ask for a few. She had a big, big ask for her neighbors, but you know what? It was their preparation. It was them storing up and saving for a rainy day and having no idea why, but all of these jars and things that she was collecting, it was a big ask, but it was only possible because they were already prepared, and it helped her prepare. Crazy faith is a prepared faith, and the neighbors said yes to an unexpected opportunity. What about you? 
There are doors that God is opening in your life right now. But if you are not prepared for what he has, you are not going to be a part of the miracle story. And maybe it's somebody else's miracle, but God just wants to use you to help get there. But you're not going to be a part of it if you are not prepared. Crazy faith is a prepared faith, and there is no such thing as a stingy faith. In fact, we had a little generosity moment in our first service, so I would like to show you a short video. In fact, I want to invite Daniel up to the stage for a minute. And I want to invite Sharla McGee up to the stage for a minute. Sharla, man, we have been blown away at your crazy faith and your story is so inspiring to us. And you guys, did you know that when we were renovating this space, Sharla was up here almost more than anybody else nailing stuff in the wall, painting, making sure things are taken care of so we could prepare this house. Did you know that she led her very first connect group because she stepped out on faith? She just led that last semester. Do you know she's been leaning in so hard and she's been here pretty much every single week since we've opened? I also know that you've had a really hard time during COVID. You've lost a couple jobs and it's been really tight. And even though it's been tight, she said to us that she started tithing for the very first time. You guys, that is so inspiring that even though things got tighter, she kept leaning in and deciding, I'm gonna be all in with Jesus no matter what. And you know what? We see your crazy faith, but more importantly, God sees your faith. And we just wanna tell you that Connect Church is gonna pay for your December rent completely and fully. We are providing and making a way. Thank you, Connect Church, for living generously and being a part of this blessing. Thank you, Connect Church, for sowing seeds so that we continue to help and meet other people's needs. Amazing, you guys. So good. So good. And it's because of your generosity that that was possible. And you have an opportunity next week to participate in something bigger than we have ever done here at Connect Church. We have a crazy faith offering that's coming up. I'm going to let Dan share a little bit more about that. But I want you to pray. What does God have for me? What seeds of faith can I sow? so we can make a difference in so much more than we ever imagined. The last character that I think is in this story that we should never forget about is God. God, the one who is the main character in all of our stories, not us. The Bible says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But you can only start from here. You can't change the past, you can't change the mistakes, but you can start and change right now and change where you're headed. In Deuteronomy 4.29, it says, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. God gives us the vision. It's our job to prepare for the journey. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you have blessed us so abundantly, so much more than we ever could have dreamed or imagined. And God, I pray that you would take these seeds of faith 
of talent, our time, our treasure, everything that we have, Lord, we give it back to you. God, I'm just praying that you would impress on our hearts exactly what you have for us in the future. But God, I pray this is just a starting point for Connect Church, that our faith is kindled and on fire, that it's contagious to this whole city for everybody that we're around. God, I pray that you would spread that fire across for everything, that they would know Connect Church for the crazy faith that they have. And God, we are believing in miracles. We are believing that you can provide every single miracle that's written out on that crazy faith wall. You can provide every single need that we come across. And God, you can make a way when we feel like it's impossible, when we feel like there's no way. God, you give us hope and you give us peace and you give us grace and more abundance than we could ever dream or imagine. And so God, we are just laying it all down. We are trusting your way more than our way. And we love you, Lord. Thank you, in Jesus' name.